Here we are again for round two with Ryan Houston, uh, the, the, the development expert sitting next to me. Thanks for coming, mate. No worries, thanks, and it's good to be back. Mate, uh, last, last time we chatted, we obviously went on a bit of a, an overview, but I just really want to hone down from, from now on and the next, you know, the next podcast we do together um, and really give the listeners a bit of advice around uh, maybe finding the site at, when you're looking at it at first glance and whether it's going to stack up. And if it does, um, obviously take the extra steps to do due diligence. If it doesn't, then obviously brush it to the site. Yep. Um, so let's maybe talk about granny flats, mm-hmm. subdivisions, um, you know, duplexes, battle axes, um, keeping the existing home and building a, a second dwelling at the back. And, uh, let's, let's unpack some of that. Perfect. So number one thing that I would ask or the person who is looking for this site, the number one thing I'd be asking is, is what's their purpose in doing this development? One, is it for them to, to, to uh, buy, build and maybe put their grandma and grandpa in the grand flat, for example? Uh, two, is it for them to uh, develop and then put a tenant in there and get a great yield? Three, is it for them to uh, do the dwelling, do the construction, do the development and then sell out of the dwellings to then go and expand into a, from a two to a three to a four site? So that's the number one question you need to know. And that's the number one question that you need to have a very clear understanding before you go and do anything because each one of those options have a different way you want to price it and a different way to develop it because you need to have the end in mind. That's the number one tip I could say. Now, the difference between doing a, a going through a DA or with a grain flat or doing it with four townhomes, it's very simple or very similar process. The number one thing that you need to know is, and I touched on it last episode, is, is knowing the basics in relation to uh, the zoning, uh, what the floor space ratio is, and then knowing what else is on the site, sewer, stormwater, acid sulfate, bushfire, flood, like all of these key components are going to either uh, you're going to know after knowing those things if you can proceed with this development. Now, let's talk about a granny flat, for example. One thing right now, or it's going to change, but let's say in the last six months, one thing that I've been seeing by the split of blocks where you, you've got a house, you're then doing a battle axe out the back, which is pretty much subdividing. You've then got this, uh, this, this um, road going down the side, down the back of the home, and then you're either putting a, a, a granny flat or a duplex or an existing house. One thing that I've noticed is that those types of products weren't working if you were wanting to um, do that and then sell. Because when you look at the main uh, three main uh, things there is you've got build costs, the acquisition price of the land, and then the sell costs. Now, unfortunately, build costs went up 30% over the last 12 months. So for that investor or developer wanting to do that type style of development and you do a feasibility, it just wasn't working. The people who did or were making it work were the builder developers or the developers who were keeping that back dwelling as a rental income, as a great yield, or putting their grandparents through instead of going to the retirement homes. So I guess to answer your question, I think whether you're doing a subdivision, a grain flat, a duplex at the back, you need to know what the purpose is of doing that because the feasibility changes for each of those purposes.
Makes sense, makes sense. So having your why obviously gives you a bit of a direction to, to go forward with. Absolutely. Nice. Yes. Um, so let's just touch on, say, a battle axe. Now, the reason they name it a battle axe is because you've got the the, long, the, the narrow strip down the side and then sort of the, the hammer or the axe head yeah. at the back. That's it. Yeah. So some guidelines around that, because obviously every block can't be subdivided. Yeah. Um, what's the minimum land size you need for uh, a second dwelling? So the number one thing you need to check is you need to get some advice there of either your town planner, number one, uh, or your architect, because each council is different. Now, in the councils that I mainly work in, which is Lake Macquarie and Newcastle City Council, uh, I know full well that Lake Macquarie City Council uh, won't allow that, and where Newcastle City Council will. So the LEP and the DCP, the LEP, the Land Environmental Policy, the DCP, the Development Control Policy, uh, these big, thick documents, uh, which you as a developer, you need to know a basic understanding. Uh, you really need to engage a, a great consultant like a town planner to really understand what you can and what you can't do and what the councils are in favour of and what not in favour of. For example, Newcastle Land Macquarie. In Newcastle, we have what we call floor space ratios. So for a standard low density, you've got 0.6, so that means you can build on 60% of the land or 0.75. R3, medium density, you've got the 0.9 up to 1.5. In Lake Macquarie City Council, there's just no floor space ratios. It's just low density R2 or R3, medium density. So in Lake Macquarie City Council, if you're R2, and you might be on a thousand square meters. In Newcastle City Council, you might be able to get five townhomes in a row. In Lake Macquarie, unless you do a subdivision, you might be able to get a duplex and that's it. <laughs> so that's where you can get really unstuck and that's where you really need to know the councils, because each council has different uh, priorities in the development space. But number one, you need to get friendly with a town planner who's gonna give you that advice. Makes sense, makes sense. All right, um, anything to add in terms of looking for sites? Like, let's say, let's just use Granny Flat for an example. Um, would you look at a sloping block? Does power have to be on a certain side? Are trees gonna be a problem? Yeah, absolutely. All of those things are big problems. <laughs> sloping, no good. Uh, you wanna, you want to make sure that there's no easements, there's no power lines, you want to make sure, you want to try and have it as clean as possible. Now, not all sites are going to be clean, and typically the clean sites are the ones where you're going to get a lot of buyer demand, so a lot of competition. So where I see a lot of developers do very well is that they have uh, good knowledge of the LEP, DCP, they have good knowledge of the contracts, uh, they have good knowledge of what you can and can't do to the site. Because the more problems a site has and the more problem solving you need to do, uh, a lot of developers might just look at it and say, oh, look, it's, it's falling away from the street. And they may go, oh, no, I'm not looking at that one. I'm going to find something a bit easier. But that developer who may have a bit of analysis, a bit of understanding, they may look, oh, well, look, this council, that will allow us to pump out the stormwater. So let's keep looking down that rabbit hole. Oh, it's going to cost us an extra 40000 to do that. Let's do a fees up. Oh, yeah, it still works for this price. And then the agent goes, well, you're the only buyer. Tells the vendor that. And then next minute, they might be able to get a great product, get product that's, uh, that works feasibility-wise. So I guess, look, what we call hairs on a site is a common term. Uh, don't let it discount you. What you need to do, and this is the skill of being a great developer, is understanding how you can uh, minimise those hairs or get over those hairs and factor them into your feasibility study uh, because you might end up with a great site, even though it's not just straightforward, you may be able to get a fantastic site just by um, being able to uh, eradicate those 
pairs or those issues to the side. So, yeah. so it sounds like a, a big key takeaway for me is having a, a really strong foundation of, of the rules and regulations, which is found in the LEP and DCP. DCP. Yeah. Um, and from there, you can obviously look at a site um, and if it does stack up at first glance, then you can obviously do your further due diligence and get your right um, experts in. Yeah, that's right. And, and like, you know, don't go spending too much time on those documents. I would firstly reach out to a town planner, take them for coffee, uh, understand, ask these questions about what you can and can't do. They'll be happy to meet because, and what they're wanting in return is they may want your business if you do get a property. And just like, you know, us real estate agents, we do appraisals for free. Town planners give advice for free so they can maybe get the business at some point. So I guess that would be my first step is going out to the town planner. But first of all, like, you know, a quick back of an envelope feasibility study, just type down what the, what the asking price is, acquisition, what the build cost will be, what the sale cost will be, and just with those three things alone, you'll be able to work out if it's gonna work or not and you can explore further. Go, mate, really appreciate your time. We'll keep these short and sweet, but I think the, uh, the listeners would have got a lot out of it. I know I did, so mate, look forward uh, two weeks' time. Thanks, Sam. Cheers.